1: second novel in George R.R. R. Martin's Song of Ice and Fire is A Clash of Kings. A certain mobile app was called Clash of Clans. This Sunday, we have Clash of Champions from the WWE. Shake Them Ropes. I'm Jeff Hawkins, along with Chris Novembrino. I was going to ask you what you thought of this, the addition of Dio Madden, but we can... Uh, we can. Oh, no.
0: I, let's talk about Dio Madden. I, I didn't see him on SmackDown, but I did see him on 205 Live, and I like him. I think that he's got a thing. He's really he's really comfortable on the microphone and he fit right in like he's been doing this a long time.
1: I think there's some rough edges to him. I, I still think he's trying to get in, you know, the laugh lines a little bit too hard. You know, it feels a little try-hard. I like him. He's got
0: comfortable diction. He has bad dialogue and they loaded him up with a whole bunch of stock phrases, and some of the stock phrases that were prepared for him. Were literally nothing burgers. It was a sentence that just went around in a full circle.
1: Here's the frustrating thing to me how can you not find a place in wrestling for a six foot seven, 286 pound wrestler?
0: Who can clearly speak,
1: who can talk. Yeah. It's like, do you think that little of his abilities? I mean, he he's a giant. He's six seven. Yes, he oh my was. God. He was an offensive lineman. I, I remember I thought him. he
0: was like, I don't know, a former quarterback or something no, like no, 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 that. No, no, no. I didn't he get a was, sense of his height. No, oh, I rem- man,
1: I remember him from football because I watch ACC football, and he was at the University of North Carolina, and I believe he was an All American, or at least he was at least All Conference. So I mean, yeah, no, he is a guy with with athletic potential and i remember when he signed to the pc it's like he had just gotten out he had just been cut by the patriots and it, you know people were very high on him when he uh because he had gone through booker T school um yeah i, I mean th- this i don't want to say he's off of nxt forever but this is what they i mean aiden english hasn't wrestled since he's been put on commentary Um, I'm interested to see, I'm wondering if he's going to be the third guy in the SmackDown booth, because Corey's going to be bumped down to one show, and they generally only put guys on one show, so there's a space missing somewhere. And my fear is we're going to get a retread. I, I get the feeling it might be a Booker T or a Jerry Lawler as the surprise on Fox. There was some talk of Daniel Cormier possibly being put into that role.
0: That's at least a fresh name.
1: Yeah. And, but you know, whether or not he fits into the vision of, of broadcast, I I think, I think to pop, not a rating, but a surprise, I think they're going to, they're going to give you a surprise for that one. And it might be Cormier, um, or even Ronda Rousey. Uh, but it, it's one of those things where now they're going to solidify guys on, to or they're going to limit guys to one show a piece, Um, I think Vic Joseph may not be long for five. He may be brought to SmackDown instead. Who knows what they're going to do with Tom Phillips. They've hired a bunch of people, it looks like, for this WWE studio show, including a former backstage interviewer with TNA. Um, so, I mean, but Fox has been... It, Fox didn't hire these people, but WWE did. So, But they're really... The Fox Channel, at least from what I know of people who work there, they are really into wanting to make this work. And the sad thing is watching SmackDown, you're just going, what the hell are they thinking? Raw? Raw wasn't a bad show. Raw had, I, I mean, I liked, I love the Horsewomen, so I'll be an apologist. It wasn't the greatest match in the world, but they gave them 17 minutes and was full of heat, which I dug.
0: I can't believe they went to a finish on that, though. That was confusing to me. And I thought the wrong team won as well.
1: SmackDown was just absolutely mind-boggling with the Kevin Owens getting fired for basically for doing his job as a referee. They, they're pulling that story again. Kevin Owens on Twitter kind of hinting he may be going to NXT, which is an interesting story within itself as to who is Vince going to call from these rosters to put over there. And I think it's going to be former big name NXT people that he just doesn't know what to do with. Cause I mean, if you're a great wrestler, that's fine. Vince doesn't know what to do with you there. I could see Bailey going to NXT very, very easily again, maybe not in this heel rolls. You might have to go back to being babyface. but but um, yeah. And then, and then the uh, Eric Rowan story where Rowan, Rowan is the guy this week that I'm watching and going, Wow, that's a hell of a promo that, I mean, I didn't realize he had that much charisma on the mic watching him, and he's about to explain why he did what he did, and he's interrupted, so we don't get an excuse, which just screams to me, Daniel, there's going to be Daniel Bryan again, as opposed to something more interesting.
0: Yeah, no, I don't think that there's any sort of third angle here where Daniel Bryan's still a bad guy at the end of this, but actually wasn't involved in this Eric Rowan, Roman Reigns thing. I, that's too inventive and requires kind of nuance and shades of gray with heel characters. And this idea that heel characters don't always get along, that that just simply is not a standard booking move in WWE main roster booking.
1: Best thing on on either show this week of the main roster for me, I loved the little thing. I loved the very short and to the point bailey and sasha banks promo before their match it was it was a promo it sounded like actual words people might say it was directed right into the camera i go they may be actually trying to book pro wrestling occasionally on this show i really dug it um i just don't think you beat bailey and sasha
0: banks you shouldn't be uh, beating the new bailey like um, that makes me not have confidence I think, it's fine for her to take,
1: I think it's fine for her to take the fall in this tag team match. Someone had to. No, I know they, needed have to. To
0: be, no they needed to beat Charlotte or at bare minimum go to a non-finish. But it brings, uh, they did need to be taking a loss there.
1: But, but it brings me to my even bigger point going into this preview right now. I think the most compelling story in this clash of champions is Sasha Banks and Bailey. I think every other program is kind of stale. Even the intrigue between Braun and Seth Rollins is kind of, eh. To me, the intrigue is, does Bailey beat Charlotte Flair in Charlotte to go over strong and become this big heel character people were cheering her for? And does Sasha Banks get paid off in terms of winning the title from Becky when Becky is kind of the face going into this big push for network TV and the video game and every other form of media because i think in order to to really have a compelling story here with the horse women i think you have to have kind of a two woman power trip thing going i think bailey and sasha coming out of this this event have to be the champions for their respective brands which also makes it interesting because you have a month until hell in the cell and then you're going to have separate rosters you're not going to have this wild card rule going on anymore so, then what do you do with Sasha and Bailey? Do you split them up or do you put them on the same show?
0: I agree. I, I do have the most interest for this because I think the agenting in the Bailey versus Sasha match is really interesting. Do they go with the idea of Bailey fully embracing her heel status and just being vicious on Charlotte? Or do they do something which, to my opinion, is a little bit weaker and a little more obvious, which would be have Sasha help Bailey and then have Bailey help Sasha?
1: If you want to read my preview, I helped out with the Voices of Wrestling uh, Clash of Champions preview uh, this month. You can go to VoicesOfWrestling.com there. But we will do a a, a general preview of everything here. Uh, All the titles are on the line. All the matches are title matches except for one. And one match has been removed, oddly enough, from a WWE pay-per-view. Chris, the finals of the King of the Ring will now happen on Raw. They will be Chad Gable versus Baron Corbin. I had to write a preview of this, nevertheless, because at post time, it was still a match that was going to go on. Uh, What do you think happens in the finals of the King of the Ring Monday night? I
0: think Baron Corbin wins the King of the Ring, and it becomes a parody act yet again.
1: I will slightly disagree. I think Chad Gable wins King of the Ring. They make a bunch of short jokes and he wears a bunch of costumes that are too big for him because I think they really want to get over this shorty G thing that they just trademarked. And then at Hell in the Cell, Baron Corbin probably beats him and takes the title of king because they really want the heat for Baron Corbin. They're, they're,
0: well, there's... you can't take the title of king. Yeah, king you can't. Something... No. When, no. That... when did they start to, that? Be...
1: No, it was a de facto title back in the day. That's how, uh, that's how Haku became king he beat harley race for it it's how macho man randy savage became king but i'm talking about like 90s king
0: of the ring like stone cold steve austin was just the 1997 or 1996 king of the
1: ring that's the opposite that's the opposite of of what they're doing here instead of making a king character there were a few years where they made it okay he's the best wrestler in the company and we're gonna push him to the moon they're not doing that here they're gonna make him a character and so it's, it can be a title that is passed on, depending on who you want to make laughs.
0: Oh at. my God! It's the new twenty four seven title.
1: Pretty much. I mean, you oh get, you, no. it's one of those types of titles. It's something to placate the USA Network, in my opinion. Uh, but I, I think I think Gable initially wins it, and then Corbin steals the title because I think they they they, they want the heat. But I just don't think they can pay this off uh, with Corbin just yet. I think they have to. Hopefully I the...
0: they go with the 90s model instead of the 80s model, then. I
1: would agree. Um, so, starting on the matches, themselves on the card, AJ Styles takes on Cedric Alexander in a singles match for the WWE United States Championship. Cedric Alexander kind of getting a mini push of sorts, but he's getting beat a lot. Uh, t- kind of a Pyrrhic victory on Monday, if I recall. I think he got the win with a roll-up i can't remember it's hard
0: to believe in the guy right now
1: i just see the united states championship as a hot potato championship between good workers right now that that aren't going to be really championship you know you had it on ricochet you had it on joe now you have it on aj styles i don't think they're going to give it to cedric alexander i think it's going to be one of those man he did his best here because i think I think the OC credibility relies on having a title holder in it, and I think uh, right now, since they don't have the tag titles anymore, I think AJ Styles is going to keep the belt.
0: Yeah, it's more valuable on AJ Styles than it is on Cedric Alexander at this point, so I think it stays there.
1: For the WWE Women's Tag Team Championships, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross take on Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville. Uh,
0: (laughs) They're doing the weird face turn thing that I was alluding to on the last episode.
1: Yeah, I think now they're comfortably in the position where Alexa has strange respect for Nikki Cross. I think they're going to push that for a while. I'm uncertain as to who wins this because Nikki got the win on TV. So that screams to me. And I, I tend to think this is going to be a participation trophy type of titles where you're going to pass it around to the different women. Like you had the Iconics. I think the, uh, Kabuki warriors are due for this after, after whoever beats Alexa bliss and and Nikki cross. Um, I think Alexa bliss and Nikki cross may lose this to Mandy and Sonya and they continue. Maybe the, the friendship storyline, or maybe they split it off because they need baby faces right now. And Nikki's kind of, you know, sympathetic, but I I do think they're going to finally put a title on, on Mandy Rose.
0: Yeah, I don't think it's going to be at Clash of Champions, though.
1: Okay. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm. I'm very happy to have them continue being tag team champs because I do think there's also a chance Monday that Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross have to face Sasha and Bailey.
0: Right. That that's. I think the juxtaposition here is going to be the new friends, the strange new respect Alexa and Nikki Cross. Juxtaposed against Sasha and Bailey, the heel best friends. And Sasha and Bailey will keep trying to poke and prod at Alexa and Nikki and say, Oh, Nikki, you can't really trust Alexa. It's actually kind of picking up the Bailey storyline that she was doing as a babyface, which is actually kind of an interesting through line here. I th- that's where I think this is going. I think Alexa and Nikki are staying on the babyface side of the ledger for a little bit here. And I think they're going to get the wind over Mandy.
1: Roman Reigns taking on Eric Rowan in a notice qualification match. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I, I, I like Rowan, and he keeps steadily getting better. I'm not at the point where I'm excited about a Roman match and that's even kind of harder when it comes to excited about a Roman match that's not at a big pay-per-view this guy his his big match repertoire is broader than what he brings on Raw and on Smackdown week in week out he'll you know do the Razor's Edge or like kind of like a sit-out uh version of the Razor's Edge and that sort of thing yeah, in the pay-per-view matches. He's got a deeper arsenal than most people remember, but I don't think he brings it on these B pay-per-view shows.
1: I just think it's going to be a standard Roman Reigns match, you know. Um it's no DQ, so the chances that Daniel Bryan reveals himself to be the puppet master all along and hey, I just took that choke slam, you know, as, as a red herring bs comes out that's i
0: think where we're going here i just don't think they're gonna have the nuance of daniel bryan and eric rowan have really split over this but they
1: can save that till tuesday as well so i mean i i just i could see roman reigns winning this i could see him losing it because of the no dq part um i'll, I'll say i'll say roman reigns wins this
0: yeah i think that's good all right
1: Shinsuke Nakamura versus The Miz, The Miz is going to try hard. I think the match is going to stink on ice. I think Shinsuke retains.
0: I think so as well. I just The Miz as a babyface character positioning him against Shinsuke Nakamura is bad because Nakamura just has this cool factor and the heel Nakamura character has not really been made sufficiently heelish enough for The Miz to babyface against it.
1: I just don't Miz is not a great Under from underneath baby face, you know, a a face in peril type.
0: He's not great at it, but I think that there are ways with his promo ability to work around the shortcomings when we get in between the ropes.
1: Yeah, uh, this is his G1, though. He wants I know he wants to have a great match. I think it may result in him trying a bit too hard trying to force it. I just I, I just can see, you know, Sami Zayn distracts Miz. Nakamura hits him with the Kinshasa, one, two, three. That, that's kind of how I see it. Yeah. It'd
0: be interesting, though, if The Miz decided that he wanted to turn it up a notch here, and we actually got to see a little bit more of The Miz, the wrestler, uh, in this match. Uh, this could be a sleeper good match.
1: Well, they call them soft style in the build. They call them soft style in the build. So maybe he just becomes, he becomes Ishii and just... Just starts headbutting guys. I'm not going forearms. that far, but like,
0: this act- no, but this could actually be like sleeper better than you expected. If not, great.
1: Drew Gulak takes on Humberto Carrillo and Lince Dorado in a triple threat match for the WWE Cruiserweight Championship. I think this one's pretty straightforward. I think Lince Dorado pinned Gulak on 205 Live. Gulak gets the favor back by stealing the pin from Carrillo after throwing him out of the ring. Dorado's here to do the honors, even though he's been great in the build. They don't want to pin Carrillo just yet, and they're not going to put the rocket on him just yet. So Drew Gulak gets the win.
0: Yeah, I think Drew Gulak retains as well. Strong a champion. Shame. I think
1: Carrillo should be pinned.
0: I think the thread of the story around the championship's been lost a little bit in the build, but we can get to that when we talk about 205 Live.
1: A match lost in the ether, the new day of Big E and Xavier Woods taking on the revival for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships.
0: Xavier's knee is better after that devastating shattering machine? Well, injuries only last a couple of weeks. That's no. true.
1: Uh, In a more interesting period, I would think that the Revival and Randy Orton should both win the titles to take everything away from the New Day and then to get the redemption stories for both back. I think Xavier Woods' knee injury should be lasting a whole lot longer than it is. But I actually think this is the revenge place, and I think the New Day get revenge on the Revival for what they did to them, and I think the New Day retain.
0: Oh, just across the board. It's so Orton's gonna beat. Uh, Orton's gonna lose to Kofi Kingston, and the New Day are gonna beat the Revival. I'm gonna gonna go the other way. I'm gonna split it. I'm gonna say the Revival beats Xavier and Big E for the Tag Team Titles. For the Tag Team Titles? Yeah. Uh, Hmm.
1: Yeah. Maybe, Maybe a DQ.
0: Maybe Xavier's knees still bad. Okay. Yeah, maybe well, that's maybe 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 he came back too early.
1: Well, since it's a it's a natural segue, Kofi Kingston takes on Randy Orton for the WWE Championship. I am absolutely flummoxed because everything about WWE logic tells me if you beat down a guy that hard at the go home show, you're losing at the pay-per-view. And Kofi beat the hell out of Randy Orton with a chair just beat him down over and over again. It kind of loses the heat. This should be a match with mega, mega heat. Given everything Randy Orton's done to Kofi Kingston, given the fact that he's hurt his friends, given the fact that he involved his family in it, this should be a blood feud. And instead we have Kofi, you know, I'm the championship, baby, you know, kind of thing. I just, I think they may just do a split here and may have Kofi lose the title to Randy for a bit.
0: Yeah, and I went the other way, so I, I think Randy. But I think is Kofi, going to I think Kofi
1: her. should win. It's just it's just inexplicable to do the beat down on the go home show. If they're no, do the I,
0: I'm down. with you. the The problem is that there's like this comeuppance thing that they also yeah. were trying to tell at the same time, and th- they rushed the storytelling on it. And that's actually what makes kind of yeah, this is doing a, this these is a- predictions hard because these beats are very oddly placed in the story.
1: This is a year-long story that's been condensed into three weeks. Like Xavier Woods's knee injury should be a five to six-month thing, and he comes back and he cuts a fiery promo about how he's going to get revenge on the revival, and they just beat the hell out of each other. But instead, it's two weeks later, and back in for the tiles. No, I-, I get that. I, I just it's it-, it does make it harder because well, on to the next event, and it does nothing lingers. Like I loved. The staging of the injury, I thought it was a nice little old school type of angle. But it's like, it's like moving on, here's the next angle. And you're just like, wow, okay. Guy just got his leg broken, and we're just going to move on like that to Lacey Evans or whoever? Okay, cool.
0: Moving on is a good phrase to dwell on here for a moment because they use it a lot, and I think it's a very, very weak plot move. It, it's, I, it's I, it the, makes it's, you disregard the thing you just saw.
1: It's TNA to the back because they use use that as a plot device for many many years, where it's like something big just happened, but we have a TV show to worry about. So to the back, where Austin Aries is eating a banana, well, wait, or something like that. I don't know. It's just yeah, nothing has resonance because you don't get the resonance on the TV, and when they try to do it, it's so. Force fed like oh the Roman thing, you know someone tried to do this to Roman and I'm really you know whatever you know they waited a week to do it I think boy
0: that Roman Reigns storyline with all the construction remember remember weird lookalike guy
1: weird lookalike guy who was dropped Buddy Murphy was a red herring and then left off a TV for a few weeks after the King of the Ring tournament I mean they've uh, this is
0: what I'm saying it's really hard to make predictions because we're just introducing characters that if you turn this in as a term paper you're like to like a writing professor, they'd be like, well, what's the deal with weird lookalike guy? Like, why is he in this script?
1: For the WWE raw tag team titles, Seth Rollins and Braun Strowman taking on Robert Roode and Dolph Ziggler. I'll let you go first.
0: I think Roode and Ziggler are going to win the titles here. And I think that's going to be the tension point going into the title match later on.
1: Oh, I agree wholeheartedly. I I think, I think Robert Root and Dolph Ziegler should name themselves transitional champions because they're gonna lose these to the War Raiders or the Street Profits or whoever's next up for the titles fairly, fairly quick. This is just to get the belts off of them and then build tension for the for the singles title. I, I could de I yeah. Ro- to Soda me,
0: Money is the team name that I think they should go with.
1: Vainglorious Bastards. I think that would be a pretty good one for them. Um <laughs> Rudolph was the one that I saw online. I thought that was pretty funny. Uh yeah, but I, I think I think I think they lose the tag team titles and now that uh Braun Strowman no longer enjo- has to enjoy being tag team champion, uh he power slams Seth and that sets up tension for the uh for the title match.
0: Yeah, he gets mad that Seth is weak. I think maybe we even go one step further, and I think Seth's the one who eats the pin here, and that's what frustrates Strowman so much at Seth.
1: For the WWE SmackDown Women's Title, Bailey, the champion, takes on Charlotte Flair in Horseman Country.
0: Man, I, I ba- hope they I go Bayley's ruthless with over. Bailey. I think Bailey's going over, and I hope she doesn't just go over Charlotte. I hope she annihilates Charlotte. I hope I that do too. You, ne- you need to get Charlotte over as a real babyface in peril, and it's always going to be a stretch because Bailey and Sasha are undersized compared to Becky and. Uh, I'm sorry, Bailey and Sasha are undersized compared to Becky and Charlotte, and you need to have Bailey have a new ruthless streak. She's just willing to go further than ever before to hang on to this title, and Charlotte's a perfect person to push Bailey, but Bailey has to push back by using the chair, by cheating, by distracting the ref. I I don't want Sasha doing it either. I want Bailey doing
1: it. Here's what I would do, and this is fantasy booking territory but I don't care you bring up that every time Bailey has had a huge match in her hometown she's lost and she's looked stupid doing it in San Jose and now she wants payback and she's going to do that payback through Charlotte in Charlotte and she comes out and yes she uses every underhanded tactic possibly but she just absolutely annihilates her as both a wrestler and a fighter because you gotta give her some credibility here you don't make her eke out a win. I think I, I would have her get a destructive win based on pure violence. That this is a new Bailey, a more ruthless Bailey, a heartless Bailey, you get the booze of that hometown crowd as she walks up the stairs. Sasha comes out at, from the top of the ramp, gives her a big hug. Emperor That's,
0: Palpatine embracing the yes, minted Darth yes. Vader.
1: Yes. And you put over Bailey as a strong, badass heel who's no longer the pushover, stupid baby face.
0: Yeah, I'll raise you. There's actually a really great opportunity here to pay off the whole Charlotte promo that we didn't like from a few weeks ago, where Charlotte comes out and goes, Well, I'm a cheater, but I tell everyone that I'm a cheater. And so during this match, you have Bailey cheating. You have Sasha cheat back a little bit because she's a flare. She knows how to cheat. And then you have Bailey re raise her. And out yeah. cheat the flare. And we show that, yeah, no, Bailey, she gets it now, at least on the heel level. She knows how to cheat now. I, I think that's the story. This has to be Bailey really succumbing to the evil.
1: Yeah, like like Charlotte goes on the ring, gets a kendo stick, and someone like Saxton makes some stupid remark like, uh, oh, she's just showing uh flares she, are the
0: dirtiest players in the game. She, you she's can't, showing
1: yeah. desire to win and she's taking an opportunity and yeah, the flare thing. And then Bailey comes up with, like, a barbed wire-covered chair and just whacks it out or something like that, you know.
0: Whoa, so, I, I don't think... That, yeah, but, I mean, I think thumbs to the eye, trading thumbs to the eye, those sorts of things start off the match. We see that Bailey's would, you know, cheat on the five count, you know, not break clean, that sort of thing. Does a little thumbs would, to the eye. Stuff where they're that trained tete-a-tete.
1: Yeah, something that would drive to a Hell in a Cell match, I think. Because I think those two would make a hell of a Hell of a Cell match. I really do. I think I think Bailey's time as work rate uh, cornerstone has come again, and I think as champion and as heel champion, she should be the one to lead it. Because um, I think it'd be very interesting to see her and and Charlotte in a Hell in Cell. The other side: Becky Lynch versus Sasha Banks for the Raw Women's Title. I think you got to pay off Banks coming back. I I think she has to win it here. I I, I, I hesitate because I think. I think she may have to lose going into the season premiere of Raw slash SmackDown that week. So you'd have to play into the she can't defend when she's won the big one on on screen joke. But I do think at, at the very least, Sasha Banks has to win this first title match.
0: The more we talk about this title match, the more I'm convincing myself Sasha's not winning this title match. Although I think she should win this title match. I think WWE is going to go with the story they are comfortable with telling and have told many times, which is, you know, there's one title, but two people and it just doesn't work out. But I, I think the more interesting story here is the one we talked about with, um, Nikki cross and Alexa bliss as the tag team champions who aren't quite friends, but are starting to actually become friends versus Bailey and Sasha.
1: Okay. No, I'm fine. I think this is going to be a great match. I I'm, I mean, I've been waiting a few years for this again. Um, you know Sasha's going to try hard to the point where she might kill herself doing it, which is always awesome. I I respect the hell out of a woman who's going to just throw herself like a ragdoll. Okay, what's our... the
0: percentage that Sasha does something where it affects the finish of the
1: match? Um, I put it a solid 40%. Yeah. Like a dive saying... on the outside where yeah, she over-rotates. Yeah. And, yeah. Um... Let me let me put up this other possibility for you. One of Bailey or Sasha has a title coming out. And the other one shows the the other evil one what true evil is and turns on them at the end of the show. <laughs> so we have an Uber heel.
0: At the end of the show. That's what I was talking about as like a longer term story arc, but you're saying it's going to happen hot-shotted. I don't know. I I don't think we're going to go that far. I I think, yeah, I think we're going to the most likely outcome is Sasha comes up short against Becky because they want to have all of their stuff in line for the promotional, you know, package with WWE 2K20. The second most likely outcome, I think, is the Bailey and Sasha then squaring off against Alexa and Nikki storyline.
1: Yeah, no, I think you do a Benoit Guerrero. Both have the belts and hug thing with, with Bailey and Sasha, except it's heels going into it. But I could see the possibility that Bailey loses her match, Sasha wins, and Bailey just Bailey to Belly's Sasha on the ramp. And just oh, that'd be goes all that'd out great That'd
0: be heel. great. Oh, yeah. No, so, okay, if we do that, if Bailey comes up short and, yeah, she just wants to have a title super bad... That's interesting, but then, then you have the issue of, like, how do you do the title match between Bailey and Sasha when they've both been yeah. so ruthless going into this build? So. Well, I think you
1: do, a four, like, a four-way Hell in the Cell for one of the titles. I, I don't know what, but, you know, I was just thinking about that. Um, and so we get to our final match, the quote-unquote main event, supposedly. I don't know what's going to go on last. I think maybe Becky and Sasha may go on last still, but... Seth Rollins taking on Braun Strowman for the WWE Universal title. The only thing guaranteed in this is that The Fiend will be showing up at the end of the night to take out everybody. I think Rollins retains. I think The Fiend comes out, takes out Braun, and then takes out Rollins.
0: Yeah, I think we even go to a non-finish. I think the only thing that I'm 100% confident on is that Rollins is leaving the pay-per-view with the title still around his waist. Yeah, same I don't same think Strowman's here. getting the belt.
1: Well. If you want to bet on any of those picks, you can go to our sponsor this week, mybookie.ag. If you found $100 on the street, would you pick it up or keep walking? Well, of course you take the money. So why did you keep picking winners and not betting on them? That's why I go to mybookie. It's easy, it's fast, and they pay when you win. And let's face it, where you're betting, it's just as important as who you're betting on. Now, football season has started. And I went to my bookie, and I put down a bunch of prop bets. I put down the Patriots at plus 725 before they got Antonio Brown. You can bet games after kickoff. If by the second half it looks like your bet is going to lose, you can always take the other side. And if you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, you can try parlay betting, which if all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings. And no matter how you bet, the NFL season is really the best time of the year. Uh, certain degenerates like myself, like to bet a little bit of the college football. Um, but yeah, you can bet on almost anything. You can bet on WWE clash of champions. You can bet on celebrities passing away. You can bet on every sport known to man, no matter how remote. I mean, I've seen cricket on there, I believe too. So what you need to do is join now and my bookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code ROPES to activate this offer. That's promo code R O P E S. That way they know that we sent you. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. My bookie <laughs> No, I was looking at the odds for the uh for Clash of Champions and uh there wasn't anything terribly tasty for me to take a take a gander on, but uh Smart money hasn't come in yet either, but it looks like, you know, everybody that you think's going to win is going to win.
0: Makes sense. So shall we get into 205 UK or NXT US? Your pick.
1: Uh, for me of the three, the strongest show this week was NXT. So let us start there. Um, Angel Garza is fantastic. I love this kid. I I am a big, big
0: fan of Angel Garza, and I really enjoyed this match. I enjoyed the storytelling in this match, and Angel Garza did so much in his facial expression, staring at Pete Dunne after having lost that match. That was great, and he did a really, really good job with it.
1: I love that he is absolutely centered on his gimmick, that he only likes women. He does not like guys. Um. I thought his cockiness was fantastic. I thought his, yeah, the the aftermatch where he's staring at Pete and Pete's just kind of shrugging his shoulders, like, what, me? Who knew? Um, was awesome. You know, it, it's very odd to me, this show, because I am absolutely flummoxed by what they're doing with Raul Mendoza. Because they put him up on, on 205 Live and team him with Umberto Carrillo, and they give him that big win. And then they do nothing with him for a few weeks, and then they bring him back to lose to Cameron Grimes. And I love Cameron Grimes, don't get me wrong. But, but um, Mendoza's been on this roster for three years, and everything he's done has been fantastic. And they can't find anything to do with him, probably because they think he talks funny.
0: And this was kind of a bad pairing and a badly formatted match in the sense that Mendoza got so much of this match against Grimes when really Grimes needed a very strong showing here.
1: Yeah. And I, I think this is the wrong, uh, wrong guy to do that against.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think that Grimes really should have been dismantling somebody rather than having something that was closer to like a 65-35
1: match. No, but but going back, you know, I think, you know, I think Garza is the type of guy to me he screams a lot of and this is a bad comparison in terms of style, but in terms of look and flair and potential, a little bit Al Perez, if I want to go back that far, where Al Perez really needed a manager to play off of because maybe his promos weren't the best, but a guy that he could play off of to give smirks and you know all those other types of things while they talked and now that they have managers in nxt
0: rick rude is who angel garza is perfect to be modeled after
1: i think so too and i think rick rude always needed a guy to play off of as well oh yeah totally agree thing worked i mean that's why the paulie dangerously thing worked i think that's why he also worked with a guy with limited charisma like paul jones even though rick rude was not yet the rick rude we knew and loved back then so and this yeah, is also I mean, why
0: the medusa pairing was less strong because Medusa's not the greatest promo in the world and even though they had like the look what you really needed with rick rude is the mouth to go with the look
1: yeah and i think you know you since you have the artist formerly Kenan's known as rick
0: rude's ugly friend
1: well since you have like the artist formerly known as Stokely Hathaway, aka Malcolm Bivens, down there. I think that's the guy. I like Robbie, Rob, uh, Robbie E's character down there, but I don't think that's the appropriate manager for a guy like Angel Garza. You need a bit of a flake, a bit of a huckster, and I think that that's why I I would pair Malcolm Bivens without, with Angel Garza. If if you're ever going to put Malcolm Bivens on TV, and God knows if they are. Or
0: not. So next we had Rhea Ripley versus Shayna Baszler. And this was all right for me, Jeff, but my big bone to pick was all this stuff with the chair, particularly the (laughs) spot where Jessamyn Duke staring at the referee grabs the chair and slides it into the ring. And that doesn't force like a match stoppage or something. I I mean, Chris. There's a lot. It takes a lot to break my suspension of disbelief, Jeff, but that spot was ridiculous. I walked away and was like, no, sir. No, sir. I can't go this far.
1: No, I am with you. I tweeted about this. I said that this ending required pretzel logic that is beneath the dignity of NXT. Let me get this straight. You can run into a match and try and attack someone. It's not a DQ if you don't throw, if you don't land a punch. You can slide a chair in there, and you can have somebody try and hit them with a chair. But if the person catches it, it's not a DQ. But once they catch it and use the chair, then it's a DQ. No, I'm not in on this. It it was... It this was, was one we need step to step further. A way.
0: Normally, the chair finds its way into the ring, and part of the reason the ref doesn't go for this qualification is the referee doesn't know doesn't see who the chair, put yeah. the chair in the ring, how the chair got there, how the chair was used. This was Jessamine Duke looking the referee directly in her eyes and sliding the chair in, and the referee looks like the biggest goober in the world.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree. It made the official look bad. It made Rhea Ripley look bad. And I think I think it was trying to find a way out, and they tried to talk themselves in an ending, and it just doesn't work for me. Um, I liked the dynamic of Rhea and, and Shayna here. I, I liked did, too. Sh- I
0: thought this was pretty good up until that finish.
1: Yeah, I th- I thought Shayna had a better, more believable fear of Rhea Ripley's power than she did against uh, Bianca Belair. I mean, she really was a bit intimidated by Rhea Ripley here. And Rhea Ripley has a lot of good going for her. I, I like Rhea a lot. I think Rhea needs to own her character a bit more. This is more of an acting note than a wrestling note for me. I think she knows how to play this Mosh Pit kid character that she has. She knows how to do you know, the, uh, you know, the hand signals and grabbing the vest and looking menacing. I just get the feeling that everything in between, it's her playing a character rather than it being her. And I think she needs to improvise a little bit more within the boundaries of her character a little bit to try and find something versus going through the motions. Uh, Johnny Gargano announces he's NXT for life. I think this is a strong move. I think he's a great base for this show. Um, I'm happy he's not going to be ruined by the main roster and being too short. And I think now that NXT is on cable TV, he'll be able to make tons and tons of money being the babyface rock that NXT needs.
0: And I think while I'm still not bullish on Shane Thorne as a heel, really clicking I think the choice to kick the tires of Shane Thorne juxtaposed against Johnny Gargano is the best opportunity for Shane Thorne to get going
1: I think he's a good introductory villain for Johnny Gargano for the new audience but I think I think he's uh he's wearing a red shirt I I think he's going to be utterly disposable and it's fine to dispose of him early so I'm, I'm good with it Um, the other thing I really liked the Candace LeRae, William Regal, uh, interplay headmaster Regal in his school of malcontent art school, people with muscles is the best his kind of impish. Ooh, I can, I can make a fight that will make lots of money type of motivation is one of my favorite things on here. And I thought everything was logical between Candice LeRae and, and William Regal. So I'm, I'm perfectly fine with this being a fatal four-way. I liked that they opened the possibility of Rhea Ripley being added into a five-way and Candice LeRae absolutely not caring because EO Shirai, not Lo Shirai WWE trademark people, but <laughs> they tried to trademark Lo Shirai, which it's like you read that and thought that? Okay, but anyway.
0: Seraph makes a big difference.
1: But, uh, <laughs> but no, I loved Candice in this too. Yeah,
0: I liked it. I mean, I was fine with it. it. I didn't seem to strike the chord with me that it did with you, though. You this really? Oh, moved I, you.
1: I just like watching William Regal act because I think he's one of the better. Well, oh, I actors. think he's
0: great. No, he's a great actor. Uh, the big redeeming thing to me about the NXT UK was all the stuff to set up the rounds match.
1: Yeah, because he was in on that too.
0: Yeah, was, yeah, exactly. I thought they did. He did a really great job during that.
1: Perfectly good segue. Let's do NXT UK.
0: Let's do it. Okay, so on this show, we opened up with an Imperium promo. And this Imperium promo was a little long. And my note on the Imperium promo is, gotta be careful with the Europe-UK stuff um, and maybe ending up accidentally... Getting in, not like into a news cycle, but like having bad timing. And there there were a couple of lines here about, you know, Imperium here to redeem the UK or fix the UK and stuff that I just thought was maybe a little pushy.
1: If NXT, because they've already started kind of poaching people for the TV show, Tony Storm planning to be over on NXT uh, mainland, Pete Dunne over there. There's another one I'm forgetting that they po- maybe Tyler Bate, but I can't remember right offhand who's being written off for a while to go over to NXT uh, for their debut. If if they were to do a territory battle for our War Games between Imperium and the Undisputed Era, I would be perfectly fine with that. Oh, I, I love that. I love I love this act of Imperium, and I love that. Uh, it's weird that uh, um, um, Alexander Wolf is starting to do what I wanted him to do in the first place was be kind of the weird loose cannon where he's like laughing at inappropriately serious times and stuff. You know, just 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 to give that kind of yes, we are the mat technicians and we can break your arms and everything. Oh, and we have this psycho who's in on the deal too. I I, I love I love the. I love the hierarchy of Imperium. I think it's perfect. You have the tag team. You have the guy you're not sure about. And then you have the main guy. Um, and I love the squash match because I love... This
0: squash match was perfectly formatted. Yes. Uh, I liked that it was overly long. This was longer than it needed to be. And they were really ruthless. And I thought that that was great. And Eigner and Bartel have a certain way of being ruthless. I love Marcel Bartel, though. I think this guy is like really the gem of Imperium. He really gets over the whole gimmick. Walter's great as the general, but Bartel's really like the ideas guy. And, and See, I that's really cool. appreciate what he's doing.
1: That's cool because I kind of go the other way. I love Fabian Eichner. I I have I mean I have watched him when he was in the Cruiserweight Classic, and then he got bigger, and then he went to evolve for a while to be their champion. And watching him. Of, for lack of a better term, evolve as he went to NXT UK and became this tag team guy. I love the interplay and I love, I love the kind of the competing styles of Bartell and Eichner together. That's what I really like. I like that. Bartell's kind of this classic, you know, ring comp type of he's almost William Regal. Yes. And Eichner's kind of a bit showy. With his aerial stuff, but you know he has power stuff in there too. I just love that they're both so different and they coalesce well as a team.
0: Love the finisher too. I think it's a good, powerful-looking, impressive but not like they feel like a team inspiring. Yeah, no, they dude, feel it's like great. a team, and they're that was something team. we had.
1: Yeah, that was something we had complained about. Um, I think it was last week, as a matter of fact, where it was just. You know, it's not two guys together, singles move, doing their singles moves on each other or on other guys. It's a it's a it's a it
0: wasn't with with Imperium. It was with a different team, though. But yeah, no, Imperium's really, really good. Yeah, I mean, as a
1: criticism of tag team wrestling, my big criticism of WWE has always been. These guys don't feel like a team. It feels like two individuals just doing their act together, whereas. Yeah, yeah.
0: And I liked the little extra cherry on top at the end where they beat up Danny What's-His-Face, Danny Jones. Um, yeah, where just Walter that comes one. in and just yeah. decides to
1: beat him up. Yeah, no, I
0: love that mm-hmm. too. Really good. So next we had Sid Scala and Cassius Ono. A little bit of a recap of this. <laughs> and then Sid Scala says that next week he is going to have a rounds match against Cassius Ono.
1: I love angry Sid Scala. He's great. But at the same time you just want to pat him on the head and go, that's nice. <laughs> um no, I loved everything about this. It was it was smart. It it gets a different match into the lexicon which i which also plays to the local flavor of the promotion which i like and gives I like this every,
0: brand like its own it gives it an identity yeah, yeah right and then you can also have these traveling people like the cesaro come over and have a rounds match and it adds just a little bit of extra intrigue to why you might tune into the nxt uk brand to see this main roster guy go over here and have this match format that you've never seen before
1: you know, I loved Robbie Brookside and William Regal and Zombie Johnny Saint. Actually, showed a little personality this week. You know, talking about rounds matches and the importance of it to British wrestling. Yeah, no, I, I think this was cool. This is what this should be, especially, especially if you're just going to raid this promotion for talent. You got to give it more personality.
0: The one thing that's going to be really important with this rounds match is the way commentary is going to be done. And I think Nigel is going to do his damnedest to get this over, but this is a thing that would be better done on commentary by Moro than I think Vic is going to be able to do. And while I like yeah. Vic a lot, and I think Vic's really good at a lot of things... I think that Moro this is the difference between Vic and Moro. Moro would do better at carrying this rounds match than I think Rink Vic is going to do and I think it's going to be really important. And the chatter in between the rounds, actually making sure to keep the energy up on commentary, reframing this next round, the storytelling in between the rounds, really interesting opportunities there. Commentary is going to have to make sure they're carrying those little beats though.
1: Yeah, Morrow has MMA experience from doing strike force all those years and He's a wrestling also, head. He loves world he knows of sport. history. Yeah. He knows history. He knows world of sport. He's the guy that could really bring the importance and the gravitas that it would need. Vic's strength is modern style wrestling. Because you can tell he was he's been a fan of indie style wrestling. I believe he also I forgot who he started with. I think he started with Gargano in Cleveland and then kind of ported over to refereeing slash announcing. But I no, I really like Vic Joseph as well. I think Vic Joseph, when he's not being heavily coached in his ear, is a natural play by play guy that I like that I enjoy listening to. No, versus, I like him. I like him a lot versus a shill versus just a straight shill like Michael Cole, who when Michael Cole is allowed to call matches, he's very enjoyable. But when and if he's you don't doing believe
0: us, go and watch that Beast in the East special.
1: Beast in the East, he was great. He was great on um, the May Young Classic. He did the second one of those, I believe, taking over for Jr. And he was, you know, he didn't know a lot about the women, but just calling the straight action, he was fine doing that. And he's great doing that. When he has to promote and you know put over catchphrases and things like that, he's just a, a friggin' annoyance on so many levels. But I think he's. A perfectly competent play by play guy at the same time, and I'd like to see more of that. But but going back to the point, yeah, I like Vic a lot. I would just like to see Morrow maybe have a guest spot here and do the rounds, but that's me.
0: Jordan Devlin had a longer than expected match against whoop. Ashton Spush. Whoop. Uh, Ashton Smith. I can't whoop. even get the words out as you're saying whoop. Um I was so confused why this match was still going. Can I we like
1: have an Can we please have an Ashton Smith versus Joseph Connors loser leaves NXT match? Because one of these guys has to go.
0: (laughs) And if anything, Jordan Devlin should have been facing off against Joseph Connors in this match because it feels much more natural to start telling the Jordan Devlin slowly getting strange respect from the audience and slowly becoming like a Pete Dunne style babyface. Where he doesn't necessarily love the audience, but the audience kind of likes him and he's kind of brutal and that's what people like about him. That feels like where this crowd wants to go and juxtaposing him against Ashton Smith sort of stopped the crowd from fully going that direction, although they were still trying to get there at various points in this match.
1: Jordan's another guy that could really use a manager. I think he's a great talker. But I think the image of a guy backing a guy like Jordan Devlin as the ace of NXT UK is, is a strong one because he's a little undersized. So you have a guy who's hyping him up and Jordan Devlin just can be who Jordan Devlin is. But I love this character. I love everything about him. Um, the
0: person you pair with Devlin, though, in that case, has to have at once a lot of prestige, But also is not a threat to overshadow Devlin.
1: Bill Dundee, bring him in.
0: (laughs) What's he up to? What's he been up to? I don't know what
1: he's up to, but, but, you know. He won't overshadow him. I mean, I was thinking maybe you bring you <laughs> bring, bring Spud into this thing and make. No, uh, I still Drake think the
0: manager Maverick. needs to be like physique wise larger than Devlin. Uh, I I was just saying you need someone oh, like who- like, a,
1: like a like a like a J J Dylan Tully Blanchard thing where J J was just so much bigger than Tully.
0: Yeah, something like that. But but you never it you never were like oh wow J, J. should be in the ring yeah. not Tully.
1: No, that's correct. I mean. Who's who's out there in the British Indies? I could manage for him. I don't know. Some someone from from the UK hit me up. Let me know who'd be a g- good idea for this. Yeah, uh, you know, you know The 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 general rule is to put a woman with him, but I. Don't know, I'd, I'd...
0: That would actually be interesting too to have a woman putting Jordan Devlin over as the Irish. How about
1: Ginny? Backing that would be kind of cool.
0: I kind of like that. That that's interesting. This man's yeah, maybe, the Irish ace. Like, there's a there's a fun twist. Yeah, okay.
1: maybe, if Dahlia, maybe if Dahlia Black were still around, she could do it. But Ginny wouldn't be a bad choice either because she's kind of a snooty, you know, he's going to make me money type of thing. And Jordan Devlin's kind of a nice, flaky, arrogant heel. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Uh, like that uh, gimmick.
0: Okay, so actually, the person in this uh, next match we'll talk about here, she actually wouldn't be a bad candidate if she can talk. But first, we had Radzi backstage. He was looking for Tony Storm. Where can she be? And out of nowhere comes Nina Samuels. Didn't think this was the strongest Nina moment. She's been really funny doing these out in the field things, and I didn't love her in this exchange with Radzi.
1: Tony is on her way to Big Boy NXT, so. Um... So the mystery of where she is will be soon solved. Um, yeah, no, I agree. I, I thought that was a weak, weak attempt at comedy by Nina Samuels.
0: So then we had Tegan Knox in her debut against Shax, and I don't know a lot about Tegan Knox. So to be honest, this is actually the first match I've seen with Tegan Knox, and I know there are people who are like amateur. I just I don't watch a ton of. Uh, I watch what we see on the shows every week. Is, is what I see. So my reaction to Tegan Knox was. So this is the person with the shiniest wizard and she has two knee braces. Boy, I feel bad for anyone who has to go up against her because someone's getting that knee brace in the face and it's going to suck.
1: Yeah. Tegan Knox tore a knee ligament, um, in her first run in NXT came back to the Mae Young classic last year, tore the other knee ligament. Um, I would agree. Um, She is a perfect white meat baby face for any women's division, which means Vince McMahon would have no idea what to do with her. Otherwise, (laughs) Um, she's attractive. She's perky. The crowd loves her. I think she's a good replacement now that Tony storm's not going to be here because I think the problem would be Tony storm would have to turn heel against Tegan or Tegan would have to turn heel against Tony at some point. I think you can only have one of these characters in a division at a time. Um and I think her right up
0: against Kaylee Ray right away, though, isn't a strong move either. I think if you want to get her into the Tony Storm role, you need to build her up and not have her immediately clash with Kaylee Ray. Kaylee Ray no, should have just agree. come out and been like looking at Tegan Knox after that match and walked away. The exchange and them talking and Tegan Knox going like, I want to fight you, that needed to be at least a month out.
1: And and Kaylee Ray For, um, you know, I I like Kaylee Ray a lot. I think the Scottish accent and Kaylee Ray has a natural overpowering effect on anybody who may try and go one-on-one in promos with her because there's something about the Scottish accent. That is dark and brooding, and will it puts bass in you. your voice?
0: Like the the Ozen yes. stuff come from a lower part of like the diaphragm and whatnot, and so you're pushing out, and it, it is. She's got a good voice and a deep voice, and yeah, no, I, I think it. To your point, it's hard to come over the top on Kaylee Ray. So the less Kaylee Ray talks, probably the better not because she can't talk, but she does run the risk of
1: it, it makes overpowering
0: your... the weaker, the higher yes. voiced baby face wrestlers who you sort of expect to have higher, sweeter sounding voices. Kaylee Ray can really just run over them. Steamroll. To,
1: yeah, to 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 reuse a term I've already used, it gives her voice and the words she's saying a lot more gravitas with the bass in her voice. So that makes her seem like a far more powerful villain. Um, yeah, where else are you going to get a breakdown of how the Scottish accent makes for a good heel? Um, <laughs> That's true. But yeah, That's no,
0: what I, it, that support that Patreon, Jeff. Don't kill it.
1: I will not kill it. Um, uh, what's what's the name of the uh, Zatanna wannabe she killed? Oh, Shax.
0: See, Shax.
1: I don't know. She's she dreadful. You
0: think she's dreadful? I, I think she's got a look. So that's what I was saying. I she liked her look,
1: in- and I liked it last week. I I liked it last week a lot. I didn't like it this week for some reason.
0: Interesting. I actually it, I don't know that I scored it from week to week here. The look works, and I think that you know I was just thinking about her when we were talking about female managers for Jordan Devlin. Shacks wouldn't be a bad one if she can talk. But no, I didn't think much of this in performance.
1: I want to hear her talk. I do. I that, I think you're exactly right. I think my my jury is out and I want to hear her cut a promo but I don't think she's she's going to be at that level where she's cutting promos kind of like candy floss. Um <laughs> I I think she's cuz I you know the other thing she was was she a baby face last week and a heel this week?
0: Yes, that's the other part. Is last week she was that's a baby face. Problem. Yeah, and then they That's she why it's like much much week. better as a baby face and I have to imagine it is a little hard to just Change gears, change gears like that, and have the audience be able to go with you.
1: And this might be old man Hawkins talking, but were were the, were the, uh, was it the costume or did she actually have tattoos this week?
0: Who? Candy Floss? Or I'm sorry, not Candy Floss, uh, Shaqs. I don't know. I, I, okay. I don't recall.
1: I, I have a natural disposition to not like women with tattoos. I don't, but you like Tegan
0: Knox and she's got one.
1: That's very true. Well, like I like small tattoos. Small tattoos are fine. The the you know, although I like Mercedes Martinez because I think you know, I heard the tattoos work for her. I'm talking. So you know, it's maybe maybe it's not a it's it's not a blanket statement for me. Okay. So so let's not. It's <laughs> Let let's cut this. Let's cut this part.
0: <laughs> okay. All right. No. No. I I think you know. I that was an interesting take. Let's move on now to. NXT UK tag team title match.
1: Interesting or
0: stupid? Um, Maybe a little bit of call A and a little bit of column B. I will yeah, let the listeners okay. decide, you know. I, no, it's not for me to this. opine.
1: We're going to cut, cut that part.
0: <laughs> Maybe. We'll see. Mark for edit. Okay. Marked. Marked it. So NXT UK <laughs> tag team title match. Mark Andrews and Flash Morgan Webster. They retained over the Grizzled Young Veterans when Andrew pinned Drake. So my thought on this match is, I get the story they're trying to tell. And at various points, the blocking of this was good. But I thought that the loss of confidence, loss of synchronicity story between Gibson and Drake would have been better told if Gibson hadn't really been making mistakes throughout this match, and Drake had been. Just be a little bit more on the nose here. What they were doing was more... Gibson and Drake rely so heavily on tandem offense that occasionally there's going to be a malfunction at the junction on it. And I think, I think the crack should have been shown a little bit earlier and a little bit more over the top. And I, I just thought that the, the tone was wrong. And I really didn't like when Flash Morgan Webster just jumped and broke up the uh, Shankly Gates. I thought that Nigel, when he was like, well, that's basically cheating. That's the illegal man. He was kind of dead on. And I just thought it was a bad spot to have in the match for the babyfaces to be doing. My last thought on the babyfaces is is that Morgan Webster and Mark Andrews, I think they've got a match format that can work and be exciting for them as babyface champions. In they move so fast that they tend to cut off their opponents from being able to be at the right place at the right time. Essentially, like the Galluses of the world have a hard time hanging with Andrews and Webster because they're so good at being everywhere. I don't know that they're going to tell that story, and I think that might make for some boring matches down the line here.
1: I found this match remarkably dull. And it's not that I don't like any of the performers in there, although of the four performers, James Drake is my least favorite. I just, I'll put it to you this way, and I'll let you see if you agree or disagree. When I watch Tag Team Wrestling, I want to watch them write a story versus follow a story that's already written. Like it feels like with, with the team of Andrews and Webster, we have all these spots that we have plotted out and we have to do them in order in this way to tell the story that we want to tell as opposed to classic tag team wrestling that I like. Where it felt like, yeah, they have their set spots and stuff like that, but it felt like they were writing it as they went along.
0: I concur. I, that's kind of what I was calling for with that last little point I made. I, I think that the theme of Mark Andrews and Morgan Webster's matches needs to be they're too fast to keep up with. They're Sonic the Hedgehog. What they try to do is the story of that. And the way they do that with baby faces tends to be kind of bland. The baby faces do their high spots, but they're done in such predictable moments that you're waiting for them. You're not desiring them. You're waiting for them because they necessarily have to occur.
1: I think they need to take out a lot of their high spots. I think they need to work from underneath and then build to the finish with the high spots to make them more interesting. Because I think all the high spots in the beginning ruin the high spots in the end many times. I, I, I don't know if I'm correct on that. I, it was just watching it. I'm just like, yeah, you they're need the, the tandem usual. Offense. Undis-
0: these two guys do have that two guys teaming together thing and not that they're a tag team thing right now.
1: Yeah, and, and and it's nice in many ways. It's just one of those things where it just feels like.
0: It screams transitional champions. It feels like Egner yeah, and screams- Bartel are going to end up with these belts sooner rather than later.
1: You know, it's like when the Usos, you know, They've, they've knocked guys out of the, out of outside of the ropes and they look at each other and oh, now it's time for both of us to do a dive on all of them. It's so overly choreographed that it doesn't feel like there's a natural flow to the story. And that's what I get from these guys as champions right now, but I like them as champions. So I'm going to give them a, I'm going to give them a chance, but if every match is like this, I'm going to tune out quick.
0: Yeah, I'm going to give them a chance, but no, they need to be a team quickly here, or they need to not be the tag team champions quickly here. So, shall we move on now to 205 Live?
1: Yeah, Uh, what are we going to talk about with 205 Live?
0: (laughs) So, Kushida's on 205 Live.
1: I think this is a one-time thing. I think this was to pop the New York audience because they thought this large cosmopolitan crowd would know who Kushida was because, of course, in MSG, New Japan had sold out. So these guys know everything about New Japan wrestling and the history of Kushida as a light heavyweight in Japanese wrestling. And it turned out they were just kind of a WWE crowd who had stayed for 205 Live and they were chanting babies and whatnot.
0: Yeah, they were not engaged on this at all. Bad usage of Kushida here, too. I I just, I get the idea of wanting to have Jack Gallagher have a good surprise partner. I think Kushida's a little bit more of a higher rent property than this. I think he works a lot better as the uh, Swerve Scott role going up against Drew Gulak. Like, there's a good match, but, you know, what do I know?
1: I just, I don't understand. WWE, which is so great with hooks of guys. And what are we supposed to be watching when we watch this guy? And branding and things like that have given no branding whatsoever to Kushida.
0: Our man it, Dio had really, really platitudinal lines <laughs> for Kushida. But I love the kush. <laughs> here's the thing. What do you do with it? What, what do you do? You, you make the perfunctory time travel joke and that goes nowhere because you can't sit there and do back to the future jokes the entire time. And he also doesn't do any time travel either, so you really can't strike that chord too heavily on that issue as well.
1: The time splitter gimmick is death in WWE because of intellectual property laws. They can't do anything with Back to the Future without going to Universal and and asking for permission to use it. it. It's one of the classic missteps where it's like, he's a great wrestler. Let's introduce him to the WWE universe and the WWE universe. The main roster crowd could give a crap. If you're a good wrestler, they want to know why we should be watching you right now. You know, what, what are you going to do for us right now? That makes you different than everybody else. Like even for great wrestlers. I mean, you had, I mean, you had the missteps like Dean Malenko as ladies, man, later wrestling women. But the reason like a Benoit got over wasn't because of his great wrestling, it's because he was so violent within the wrestling, and so he got over as a violent guy who people lo- people love ass kickers, but Kashida's not an ass kicker per se. So I'm just wondering if they've left him to die by doing nothing with his gimmick.
0: He looks like not Tazawa. And it feels really natural that, you know, when Tozawa goes heel, you go, well, you have Tazawa the bad one and you have Kushida as the good one.
1: Look, to nobody to people who don't know who the hell Kushida is, he's a guy cosplaying Marty McFly who's from another country and probably can't speak English. That, and doesn't, that's
0: who he he's is. He's not as fun as Tozawa. Tozawa's yeah. got the tagline, and he's more familiar to the audience, too. No, I, I think this is absolute death. I completely agree with you. I, he's I don't cari- know he's cari- who has exactly chosen right. he's- to not... I don't know who chose not to care about Kushida and his usage on this roster. But man, you sign this guy, you have him on NXT at a takeover, and he's in the featured spot. We have Kushida here. Here he is in his little fedora or whatever. His trilby hat. And now he's doing this.
1: And then the next three weeks when he's on NXT TV, he's going 50-50 with guys who are bigger than him and a couple of whom have half the talent he does. I mean, going 50-50 with Kona Reeves, of all people. I had nothing against Kona Reeves. I think he's okay. I think he should have been sent somewhere else to train after he did the initial drills at the Performance Center. I think that's one of the flaws of the performance center is you do the drills they tell you to do, but you never really improve in terms of style. You just know how to do the paint by numbers WWE match, but he went 50, 50 with him. He went 50, 50 with uh, cash is He went 50, 50 with drew Gulak. So you're kind of like, You know, why is this guy special and why should I be popping for him when he's at MSG? And the only thing I could say is I can think of is they thought that crowd was going to pop huge for Kushida because of what New Japan did at MSG during SummerSlam weekend. And it just didn't happen. Didn't
0: he make his on camera appearance when NXT was doing TakeOver in New York as well?
1: Yes, I believe so. Okay,
0: so maybe that's the other part of the logic is they thought, well, I mean, maybe this audience knows him, but no, no. And like this 205, no one has, (laughs) the numbers reveal this too. No one goes to WWE shows for 205 Live. I'd be the one person there.
1: You're sobering up during 205 Live for the most part. Um, Yeah, and this is where also Dio's jokes were getting the better of him because very starts. He goes. Well, I I wanted to shrink down to two oh five. Of course, sitting down, you can't tell that he's six foot seven. And that's what I was saying. I, I
0: didn't know. I didn't realize that. And so when he made that joke, I thought it was believable. But I just thought he was like an ex football guy, and he's got a lot of like muscle mass. It just, I it didn't even occur to me that he's six foot seven.
1: I don't mind the subversive pot jokes and the wink and nod to Aiden in English. Um, but this is going to get shut down real quick. <laughs>
0: this company and its weird relationship with substances.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: So then we had Umberto Carrillo, Lindsay Dorado and grand Metalik versus drew Gulag, Tony Nese and Arya Davari. What'd you think of this match?
1: Typical house show match. Um, I liked that they improvised a bit so that drew Gulag could do the rock, the baby spot um, to try and quiet the crowd from popping for the baby in the crowd. Um I didn't think too much of Metalik in this match. I thought he was kind of dull compared to what he did with Rey Mysterio, but that's who he is. And that was okay. But it was a typical it's what yeah. I expect from it's, it's. what I expect from 205 Live, six-person tag matches that don't mean much. This that story doesn't mean party.
0: anything. You no, know, but sometimes this is not what I expect in the main event of 205 Live. The main event of 205 Live is usually delivered a quality wrestling match or does something to advance the story of 205 Live. And I just thought that this was really, really ho-hum.
1: Yeah, no, I thought this was kind of lazy. I thought. They did it a felt little bit like with waste the t- of time. Tony. Nice. They did a little bit with the Tony Nice Drew Gulak thing, but not a lot. Arya Davari starting to grow on me. He really is because he's such a classic flake heel. Um, but overall, you know, it's just everything we've seen from from these guys on another in another match. I mean, there used to be weeks and weeks where we'd go with Lucha House Party versus Drew G- Gulak. Tony Anise, and Jack Gallagher. You know, we'd have those six persons week after week, or Brian Kendrick, Gu- Drew Gulak, and Jack Gallagher. Or Akira Tozawa, Brian Kendrick, and Arya Davari. You know, we'd have these six-person tags week after week after week, and none of them meant anything. I mean, really, the only thing that meant anything on this entire show was the Mike Kanellis promo, and even that wasn't great in my opinion
0: that was interesting though because it does make you wonder if perhaps drew gulag's gonna lose the title because the whole crux of that involved maria telling mike that he needs to win the title
1: yeah which is odd given he's a heel and gulag's a heel
0: exactly that, that's why i was like hmm i don't know maybe gulag does lose the title here sometime soon
1: But that's all I had for 205 Live. I I think the broadcast teams are going to be very interesting once they're all shaken up. I still think each of them has one person too many. I think you should reduce all of them to two people and they'd be a little bit better.
0: It always sounds cleaner. They won't do it, but boy, does it sound cleaner when there's just two people on the booth. It's much easier. The roles are more clearly defined. They can play off of each other. They don't have to worry about accompanying the other man every time. It's just Oddly
1: enough, the two... Oddly enough, the 205 booth right now, if you keep Dio and he continues to improve, is the one that can survive this. Because I think Aiden English has natural timing from being an actor, that he knows when to shut up and he knows when his cues are. And he'll know and he can interact with that. I Beth Phoenix is dreadful. She's really She's bad. She's just absolutely She's really dreadful. Yeah, and she doesn't say much either, which is another problem. I wouldn't mind much,
0: and it's always bland. Like she'll try to do the scientific wrestling analysis stuff, and it's just watching paint dry on commentary.
1: He's really working him over now. Okay, great.
0: He has unbelievable technique on that. Says the name of the hold correctly, but it's still boring as hell.
1: You know, I think I think Renee Young occasionally is personable when she flummoxes Corey. But other than that, she doesn't bring too much to the to the booth. And I like Byron Saxton. I'll admit it. I like Byron Saxton and Corey Graves together because Byron Saxton knows how to play the straight man. And he does it very well. And he does it very self-deprecating. And I think he, he will occasionally have a line that just pops me hard just because he's being so earnest saying something that insults himself. And I think that's kind of endearing. I think Tom Phillips plays off of... I I think that SmackDown crew is pretty solid, to be honest with you. It's a shame that they're going to have to shake that up.
0: Yeah, I agree. The Tom, Corey, Byron team, it works. Corey and Byron work well. Corey's
1: a lot more tolerable on the SmackDown broadcast because I don't think he has someone yelling things in his ear as much, and he can let loose and let his natural personality show and he's been versus, working with
0: Byron for nearly a decade at this point.
1: Yeah, and I yeah, and like I said, I, Byron, Byron's improved. Um, he's better than Percy Watson ever was, but at the same time, he's. He, I think he's he a
0: great putts character. He is the y- yes, ultimate putts baby perfect. face guy.
1: That is perfect. He's the ultimate putts baby face guy. He's the perfect David Crockett. I'm a fan of the baby faces type guy.
0: I feel like Byron really channels a bit of John Arbuckle from Garfield.
1: <laughs> oh, that's perfect. On that note, this has been Shake Them Ropes. I am at Crap Game13 on your basic social media platforms. Chris is at Chris Novembrino on the Twitterverse. You can follow the show itself at Shake Them Ropes. The Patreon is at Patreon.com slash shake them ropes all one word. The donate button will be in the text of this if you're listening to this on a podcatcher. Please go rate review. Be kind. Don't give us negative reviews. If you hate us, just don't listen, because I don't need that in my life. Chris also does other various and sundry podcasts for niche listeners of all various varieties. Chris, tell them about your wide swath of interests that make you a renaissance man.
0: Yeah, no. So I make music. Um, I do that for several podcasts. You can hear some of them on iTunes and Stitcher. Not just these. uh, Matt Lewis in the News has a Chris Dovambrino-made podcast, along with My History Can Beat Up Your Politics. But you can also hear Don't Worry About the Government and Don'tWorry.tv. Subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher. You can also hear the All in the Family podcast. Two new episodes out on Friday here. A new episode will be out, so episode 5 and episode 7 are now available on the feed of season 3. So go and subscribe to the All in the Family podcast. Oh my god, let me try that again. So go go ahead and subscribe to the All in the Family podcast on iTunes and on Stitcher. We will see you guys at some point this weekend. I think maybe, Jeff, High Wattage might make an appearance this weekend.